This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. The morning mist was rising from the Sea of Galilee, or as the Romans preferred to call it, the Lake of Gennesaret. The fishermen had been out all night fishing, and now they were bringing their boats to the shore. Two boats had already landed, and the owners were busy washing the seaweed and debris from their nets. One of these men, Simon, worked in silence. He was tired and disappointed. He had fished all night and had caught nothing. And fishing for him was not a sport, but rather a means of livelihood. No fish in the nets meant less food, less bread on the table. While Simon worked on his nets, he noticed that a crowd was beginning to gather along the shore. This meant that the teacher was here. People often gathered along the shore early in the morning to hear him speak before the day got too hot and before they had to go to work. On this particular morning, the crowd was a bit larger than usual. And so Jesus approached Simon and asked him if he would row out a few feet from the shore so that he could get a better vantage point from which to speak to the crowd. Simon did so, and Jesus spoke to the people. After he had finished speaking, Jesus turned to Simon and said, Launch out into the deep. Let your nets down. If you do this, you'll catch a lot of fish. Simon was taken by surprise at this, and he said, Master, we have fished all night, and we have caught nothing. But if you say so, we'll try again. And when he let down his nets this time, Simon pulled them up, and they were filled with so many fish until he had to call James and John from the other boat But soon both boats were filled with fish and they were on the verge of sinking. A preacher from many years ago, Clarence Cranford, says that there are several answers that Simon might have given to Jesus in response to this command to launch out into the deep water. Each of these reactions has its own counterpart in our day. First, Simon might have said, Jesus Who are you to tell me how to run my affairs? I think I can handle this boat pretty much by myself. After all, I am the fisherman here. You seem to have forgotten that I grew up on these shores of this lake. I know all the best spots for fishing. I have fished these waters ever since I was old enough to handle the net. I know when the fish are apt to be running, and now is not the time. Besides, I've just fished all night long, and I have caught nothing. What right do you have to tell me what to do? Now, that's what Simon might have said. And if he had said this, he would have missed out on the biggest catch of his fisherman's life. Haven't you and I been guilty of saying something sort of like that to God? Lord, who are you to tell me how to run my business I know what may be right, ideally, but, you know, we're living in a different day and time now. Or, 
God, I know what's right and wrong when I'm at school. I know all about what you want me to do about telling the truth always, about lying, about cheating, about studying more than I usually do, about the kind of language I use, about my sexual conduct. Lord, I know all that, but God, you know you're only young once. This is my life, and I want to live it the way I want to. You remember when Moses led the Hebrews into the wilderness? Food was scarce. The future was very uncertain. The people began to complain, saying, Moses, have you brought us out here to die in the desert because there were not enough graves for us in Egypt? Isn't this what we told you while we were slaves, to leave us alone? We said it'd be better to be slaves to the Egyptians than dead in the wilderness. That's Exodus chapter 14, verses 11 and 12 I just read. And likewise, there are people today who say, let me alone, God. It's better to die in my sins than to miss out on the pleasures of this world. Well, people who say that make two mistakes. First, they overestimate the power of sin to give them pleasure. The pleasure is short-lived and it ends in bitterness and despair. The world's pleasure ends up robbing us of the very happiness that we seek. Moses had the right idea. In Hebrews 11, verses 24 and 25, we read, By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Yes, people make a mistake. A second mistake made by people who look so strongly at the world's pleasures is they underestimate the joy of the Christian life. They overestimate the power of sin, but they underestimate the joys that Jesus can bring. People sometimes talk about how dull a Christian's life is. But when they get even a little taste of something that is really Christian, th this really leaves a good taste in the mouth. It is lasting. Once again, the author of Hebrews speaks of Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. That's Hebrews 12, verse 2. Even though Jesus was facing a cross, he knew what real joy was all about. He lived it. The tragedy is that so many people try to reach out in both directions at one time. They want the joys of the Christian life, but they're not completely willing to forego the pleasures of sin. They're troubled sinners, but not committed enough to be happy saints. Simon could have said to Jesus that day, who are you to tell me how to run my life? I'm in control here. Well, there's a second possible response that Simon could have given to Jesus. It would have been something like this. Jesus, you are asking too much of me. You know I'm tired. You know I've fished all night and I've caught nothing. I want to go home now, get some breakfast, a little sleep. Then maybe I'll come back later on in the day and try again. You know, if I were not so tired, it'd be different, but I'm just exhausted now. 
you're not really being considerate of me to ask me to launch out into the deep water and start fishing again right now, Jesus. Well, if Simon had said this, he would have failed to catch the greatest number of fish he ever caught at one time in his whole life. Now let's bring this second answer, possible answer to where we are today. How many people there are today who have the mistaken idea that being a Christian is just a simple thing to do. There's not very much involved. Just believe in Jesus and you're saved. Well, the truth is that Jesus makes demands upon all who would follow him. There are some matters in which one who would follow Christ must be disciplined. We must give our selfish way over in obedience to him not just to follow our own desires and inclinations. Obedience to Christ, however, is always for our own good, not just to satisfy a personal whim of God. You know, there are two kinds of obedience. One is that which is demanded by a dictator, and this is to show his authority. The other kind of obedience is that which is expected by a father. This is in order to guide a child. And when God asks us to obey him, it is always as a father who loves us as his children. Does Jesus ask too much of us? Some people say yes. His disciples forsook all and followed him. There were some who would have been his disciples, but the price was too high to pay. They went the other way. A certain man once said to Jesus, Lord, I will follow thee wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Luke 9, verse 58. So much of what we hear these days from many hucksters of a perverted gospel is, goes something like this. You just follow Jesus and you'll have health, wealth, and happiness for the rest of your life. Well, friends, that kind of stuff is not biblical at all. Jesus said to his disciples when he sent them out, Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. That's Luke chapter 10, verse 3. No, Jesus does not ask too much of us. But he does ask that we be faithful to him, no matter what the cost. Some of you may remember that after the bombing of the Marine headquarters in Lebanon, way back in, I think it was 18, 1983, some of the first survivors were flown to the United States Military Hospital in West Germany. While there, the United States Marine Commander General Paul Kelly who flew over from Washington immediately about he upon hearing about that attack, General Kelly spoke to each man in the hospital one by one. He came to a certain Marine who had been wounded so severely he could not speak or even see. General Kelly leaned over the young man's bed, told him who he was, and gave him a word of encouragement. The Marine reached up to Kelly's shoulder to feel the four stars to see if he really was who he claimed to be. He wanted to communicate with the general, but he could not speak. So finally, the stricken Marine 
was given a pencil and a piece of paper on which he blindly scrawled two words, Semper Fi, that is an abbreviation of the Latin words, Semper Fidelis, which is the marine motto, always faithful. That's what Jesus asks that we be, faithful to him, no matter what the cost. Yes, if Simon had said that day to Jesus, you're asking too much of me, he would have missed one of the happiest days of his life. But there's a third possible response that Simon could have given to Jesus when Jesus commanded him to launch out into the deep. Simon could have said, okay, Jesus, my answer is yes, I, I will launch out later. He might have decided to play it cool. Launch out into the deep waters? Hey, that's a good idea. That's just what I'm going to do a little bit later. And Simon might have kept on rowing all the time back to the shore, disregarding the words of Jesus. But if he had done this, he would have missed out on the greatest catch of his life. Now, let's look at ourselves a moment. Have, have you ever had the distinct impression that God was leading you to do a certain thing? but you just couldn't quite decide you wanted to do it. Perhaps it involved some personal risk for you, or it wasn't convenient. Maybe you felt that you couldn't see your way clear to the end. You didn't want to start something without seeing the entire way. All the while, though, you had this terrible gnawing down inside, this persistent urging from somewhere within that God was moving you to follow him and say yes. You didn't want to say no to God, but you couldn't say yes yet. So you decided to play it cool and say, okay, God, I'll do what you want me to do later. If you have had such an experience as, as I have had, then you know there's no real joy in delayed obedience. In fact, delayed obedience is disobedience for now. Simon did not give any of these three possible answers we've just been thinking about. He said to Jesus, Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And I'm sure that his catch of fish was the task, was the talk that the area all around had talked about for many years to come. Jesus calls us to follow him and share the good news of salvation through his name. You know, Jesus did not say, follow me, I have a fascinating philosophy to be something you can think about. Jesus did not say, follow me, I have some interesting theological ideas I want you to ponder. Jesus did not say, follow me, I have some ethical advantages for you to consider. Jesus did not say, follow me. I have a political platform that'll save the world. No, what did Jesus say? Well, the words are recorded in Matthew 9, verses 37 and 38. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. That's what we ought to be about. Jesus then said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous but the laborers are few. So pray to the one in charge of the harvesting 
ask him to recruit more workers for his harvest fields. Here's one of the greatest challenges I think Jesus ever spoke. It's obvious that the harvest will never be reaped unless he has workers to go out and reap it. When Jesus walked up and down those dusty roads of Palestine, he gave abundant life to all who would receive it. But his voice could reach only a relative few. Apart from a brief time away when he was a baby, when they took him down to Egypt, Jesus was never outside Palestine. And there was a world which was just waiting. It is still God's will that people know of the Savior's love. Did the call for laborers stop when Jesus went back to heaven? Of course not. Jesus still needs people today to serve him when he calls. Jesus wants a little child to be taught. But some children will never hear about Jesus unless one will volunteer to teach. Somebody else will do it? Well, how can you be sure? And besides, what difference does it make if somebody else can do it? but God's calling on you. Jesus wants someone in this land or maybe in some distant land from America to know of the eternal life which he came to bring. But some of these people will never hear unless you go and tell. Well, you say, well, okay, I'll, I'll pay. I'll give money to support a missionary. Oh, that's great. Unless God is calling for you to go. You say, I'm going to pray every day for our missionaries. Oh, that's wonderful. But even your prayer can become a spiritual hindrance to you if God is calling you to be the one who surrenders your life to go wherever he leads. May not be across the ocean. Maybe across the street. May not be around the world. Maybe around the block where you live. As long as we remain in the shallow water of superficial commitment, we can never expect to receive the bounty God has in store for us. Those who never venture out very far in prayer, in service, in stewardship, in active serving the Lord through a church, these need not wonder why they catch only minnows of satisfaction rather than huge fish of joy. One person said, I'm happier now when I'm unhappy than I was at my happiest before I gave my whole life to Jesus. Psalm 144.15 says, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Launch out into the deep, Jesus said to Peter. That's where the joy is. Is God calling you today to obey him in some particular way? You have felt his voice deep in your soul for a long time. But until now, you just haven't had the courage to say yes. But today, you want to have that victory. There's no better time than right now, wherever you are listening to my voice, just to let go and let God win that battle so his blessings can come flooding into your life. The poet has said, the mercy of God is an ocean divine, a boundless and fathomless flood. Launch out in the deep, cut away the shoreline, and be lost in the fullness of God. But many, alas, only stand on the shore and gaze at the ocean so wide. 
they never have ventured its depths to explore or to launch on the fathomless tide. Oh, let us launch out on this ocean so broad where floods of salvation air flow. Oh, let us be lost in the mercy of God till the depths of His fullness we know. Heavenly Father, that's what we need to do right now. We know that. We pray that you'll give each person who hears this servant's voice of yours the courage to say, God, you've told me what you want me to do. Now, my answer is yes, I'm willing to launch out into the deep, even though I don't know what's out there. Help us, Father, to remember that you never call us to go anywhere or to do anything unless you're right there beside us. Oh, Lord, that gives us comfort. Help us to obey you in whatever way you lead, we pray. In the name of your Son, our Savior Jesus, amen.